0: Well good evening and thank you for coming to church tonight and where else would you go <laughs> on a Sunday night? Good to be here and, uh, and it's always, um, always good to have Robin here with me today uh, for this weekend. She doesn't often come away with me but um, it's good to have her here. Good to see Rod and Kerry and family down the back there. I could tell a lot of stories about Rod. I don't know too many about Kerry but, and the, the girls. I could most probably dig up a few, but I could tell you a lot of stories. Do you want to hear a story about Rod? <laughs> I'll tell you one. Back in t- 1995, um, I organised some meetings in Sydney and Adelaide with Dr Tom Williams. I don't know if anyone remembers the cowboy evangelist. And uh, Rod was with me for two weeks. He was such a blessing just to, just to help out doing whatever. Well, we had meetings one particular night at um, Metropolitan Baptist Church at Lane Cove. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Sydney, uh, Lane Cove is north of the harbour. And um, <coughs> Dr. Williams and his entourage were all staying at Darling Harbour at a, a hotel there. And so this particular day, his. Here's Rodney from Brisbane. He was the chauffeur for the day for Dr Williams. And I went up early to Metro and um, helping Pastor Mario there organise me- the meeting and so on. And I said to uh, Rod, well, listen, all you've got to do, you take this road out of Darling Harbour, you go over the Harbour Bridge and it's, once you get over the Harbour Bridge, if you're fami- familiar with that, it's about, what, 15 lanes wide or something, it's crazy, You know, you know the road. I said, just make sure you don't take the Mossman turn off. So uh, you know what Rod did. He took the Mossman turn off. Ended down Mossman Road, down near Taronga Zoo somewhere. Finally got off Mossman Road, which is clogged 24-7, 365. Managed to, uh, this is, what is it, late afternoon, early evening. Managed to turn around. Coming back down Mossman Road, he takes the city turn off. Ends up over the Harbour Bridge, back down in Darling Harbour again. <laughs> so we've already started the meeting up in um, with, uh, with, with uh, Metro, Metropolitan. And um, so we're singing around there. And, and, uh, and I'm wondering, where is Rod? So finally he managed to find somewhere to turn... I think he went back to the, Did you go back to the hotel? Turned around and started again. And finally, about an hour late, um, <coughs> Dr Williams turns up. So I've never let Rod live that one down. But it, it, was, uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a funny night. But it all turned out well. And um, Rod's been a dear brother for many, many decades. And it's good to see them here. Um, <clears throat> I thought I would continue my little series here. Uh, I've got a very brief thought for you tonight. And, um, but I thought I might just finish my little series on um, Australians that have influenced my life. Uh, <clears throat> just for the fun of it because I think it's a blessing. This morning I mentioned uh, Norman Harris and as I said this morning, if you want to hear Norm Harris' sermons, go to my website, click on audio sermons, go right down the bottom and you'll find some of his sermons there. He's a real firebrand, for, was a firebrand for the Lord. And, and Bob Middleton and Albert Harper, my grandfather and Jack Parker. There's another fellow called Godfrey Theobald. Now Godfrey Theobald was a little fella about this big. Bald as a badger, balder than me which is hard, but he was a ball as a badger, little fellow like this, but he was an outstanding man of God. I only met him a few times in my childhood, yet his influence uh, to me, especially regarding children's ministry, is enormous. He was a pioneer preacher as a young man and uh, Godfrey and back in the, I think it was the 1930s, 1940s, somewhere around there, there was four young men started evangelising, England, Cessnock, Musselbrook, and, and they, they, all four of them, lived uh, in a, uh, an old international panel van. They just lived in this van. They cooked their meals on the side of the road, and as far as I know, I think this is true. I think there still may be a couple of churches operating today that were started by these young men that went out in faith. uh, And um, Godfrey Theobald preached, and he he was an expert children's evangelist, and his funny chalk drawings on butcher's paper became a well-known method of teaching the Gospel and the Bible to kids. And this is way before computers were even thought of. And though he considered himself of little talent... His spirit-filled influence led to the starting of a missionary training college which eventually sent believers all over the world, mainly to developing countries. So um, I never knew him that well, although I did hear him uh, teach uh, on a number of occasions, but an amazing man. And then lastly, I'd like to um, mention those that I'm indebted to is a man called Brian Wenham. Now, Brian Wenham is... um, if uh, I, I think I'm correct in saying he'll be 90 next month. He's retired now, but um, he was the pastor of the Condal Park Bible Church. Rodney knows him very well. And he was there for well over 40 years as the, as the pastor there. I was called to preach under his ministry, trained under his ministry. Uh, Robin and I were married by um, Brian Wenham, Pastor Brian Wenham. And uh, he had an, an enormous influence on many, many preachers that are still preaching to this very day. Uh, as I said, he, he is still alive. He's very old and um, uh, struggling health-wise. But uh, there's a lot, not just me, but there's a lot of us owe a lot to um, Pastor Brian Wenham. One thing he taught me was that when you when you, you are preparing a sermon, you actually have to start with the Word of God. <laughs> Let the Word of God speak. It is, don't, don't bring a preconceived idea and try and find some verses to fit your idea. No, start with the Bible. That's handy. He says, you must let the word of God speak. Now I could speak for a long time and others that have influenced my life, but um, hopefully that was a little blessing to you. Now, I want to give you a little bit of an unusual sermon tonight, and it won't be um, long. And I've wrestled with this sermon for hours and hours and hours and hours over the last few days. But I think it's something... Uh, We need to, as believers and as a church, just to focus on now and again as we move into um, 2023, well into 2023. Danny, could I have a bottle of water, please? I'll be okay. Thanks. Um, Take our Bibles, please. Let's turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, we're going to start there. Now, we're going to go to about five or six passages of the Bible um, this evening, just briefly, and then I'm going to make basically one main point. Thanks, bro. Psalm 16. So I hope you have your Bible with you and I hope you've you've got your Bible turning um, head on today because... um, You'll see where I'm going here. Psalm 16. This is the Psalm, verse number 8. The Psalm of David. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I've set the Lord always before me because because he, that's the Lord, is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So I'm going to give you a thought tonight on I shall not be moved. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the the beautiful day that you have given to us. Thank you for the blessings of fellowship this morning. Uh, Dear Lord, we are we are the the most blessed people in the world. I've no doubt about that, Lord. Uh, Lord, what a wonderful church this is. What a wonderful pastor. What a wonderful people. uh, Lord, that you have brought to this place for your glory. Dear Lord, I pray a blessing on this church, Father, as we, uh, as the church moves into the new year that You've given to us. I pray, dear Lord, that You will uh, strengthen, establish our hearts as we look at Your Word this evening. We pray. I pray for the filling, the anointing of the Spirit of God. Uh, for Lord, only through His enabling and His empowerment will this message be any good. And we pray and ask these things with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Martin Luther (coughs) nailed his 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg uh, back around, I think it was 1517. And his 95 Theses that he nailed to the church door uh, basically said this, that Roman Catholic Church Doctrines and practices were evil and harmful. Now, I know it said a lot more than that. That's basically what he was saying. The indulgences and the, the corruption and the evil of the Roman Catholic Church was obviously wrong. He was, uh, this was found out, of course, very quickly. And he was ordered to stand before the emperor uh, in a town called Worms. Worms, spelt W-O-R-M-S. And of course, there is this famous uh, meeting or assembly called the, the Diet of Worms. It's not a; it's a town, Worms. It's the a Diet was an assembly. Okay, the Diet of Worms. It's a town. Uh, it's a German town. And this, uh, of course, he was German. And this town is still there today. The Diet of Worms in 1521, and the Emperor was there. The Pope wasn't there, but the Emperor was there, and all the the uh, many of the hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church. And he was told to recant um, or, or, or denounce his views, that 95 Thesis. And you can read all this. You can, you can look it up and read what he said. And this was his reply. And there's a bit more to it. But this was the, the, the crux of his reply. And it's a famous saying, or the most famous saying, most probably, of Martin Luther. He said, For it cannot be either safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Here I stand. He may have put it this way. I shall not be moved. Right on, take your Bible please. First Chronicles chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11. Hopefully this will keep you awake this evening. First Chronicles chapter 11. We're going back to David here. 1 Chronicles 11. We're learning about David's mighty men. And we get up to verse 12 here. And there was a fellow here named Eleazar, the son of Dodo. He was one of the three mighty men. We won't go into all of that, but it's great teaching. 1 Chronicles 11 verse 12. After him, this is after the first fellow they mentioned, Was Eleazar the son of Dodo, the Ahahite, who was one of the three mighties? He was with David at Pasdammim, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, where was a parcel of ground full of barley. And the people, this is the, the Israelis, fled from before the Philistines. And they, this is David, and Eleazar, just the two of them, verse 14, they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and they uh, delivered it and slew the Philistines and the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. I wonder if David had this in mind when he wrote Psalm 16. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Whatever it was, David said... Uh, Eliezer we're not going the rest of the army took off terrified David said no no we will not be moved because we've got God here we've got the Lord with us (coughs) here we stand come over to Nehemiah chapter 6 Nehemiah chapter 6 this is Nehemiah (coughs) and uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 It came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem came, sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought, to do me mischief. Now we don't have time to go right through the chapter here, but this is what what happened in the time of Nehemiah. He was there, sent there to, to build the wall or rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. But of course, there are a lot of enemies there that did not like to see this uh, happen. They were enemies of God's people. And so, uh, when we, re- if you were to read through this chapter, you'll find that time and time and time and time again, they sent to Nehemiah saying, "Come, let us let us have a meeting." let us have a meeting and another fellow came uh, to him and if you come down to verse 10, afterward I came unto the house of Shemaiah, they're in the house of God within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple for they will come to slay thee, yea in the night uh, will they come to slay thee. Uh, now of course if you read later in the chapter you find that even this fellow Shemaiah, he was a crook, he was on the take. Sanballat and Geshem and so on, uh, Sambalat and Tobiah, had paid this fella off. That They were trying to lure Nehemiah somewhere to kill him. And I love what he said here in uh, verse number 11. And he said, should such a man as I flee? Should such a man as I flee? He might have said it this way. I shall not be moved. I'm not going anywhere. Everyone's trying to have me done in, and everyone's opposing the work of God, and, and, and there's threats on every side legal threats and physical threats. He said, <clears throat> Should such a man as I flee? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Here I stand. Okay, come down to Daniel, the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel. <clears throat> Go to Ezekiel, then you'll find Daniel. You might have to go to Daniel to find Ezekiel. Here's Daniel. We all know the story. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. The fiery furnace. You know know the story. The fiery fiery furnace. Everyone Everyone had to bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, And he said, if anyone doesn't bow down, they're going to be chucked in the fiery furnace. Everyone bows down except Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And this is what they said. Let's go to verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. In other words, they might have said it this way We shall not be moved. We ain't moving. I love the old song. Now the boys wouldn't bow and the king got mad and he said, turn the furnace up high, tie them up and throw them in, these Hebrew boys are going to fry. But a little while later he looked in the flames and he heard Brother Shadrach say, pull up a chair boys, warm your hands, we came here to stay. They said, we're going to stay, we ain't going anywhere, our God can deliver us and even if he doesn't, we're still not going anywhere. Nehemiah, come down to the temple. Nehemiah, come here and do this. Nehemiah, no, no, no. Should such a man as I flee, I shall not be moved. David, your army's shot through. You've got the whole um, garrison of the Philistines there. David, what are you doing? We're not going anywhere because we've got the Lord on my right side. I shall not be moved. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. That's in the New Testament, Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> this is Paul speaking to the church, the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he says, listen, I've, I've done this with you and I've done that with you. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall be me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul knew wherever he went, he copped it. Bonds and afflictions. Look at verse 24. But none of these things move me. He said, I shall not be moved. I'm still going to do... What God wants me to do. Neither count I my life uh, my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, Yeah, I know everywhere I go, I'm beaten up, I'm stoned, I'm left for dead. And everywhere I'm going to go to, the same thing's going to happen. God's told me I'm going to suffer for his sake. And the the elders and the people of the church at Ephesus said, oh, Paul, you can't go to Jerusalem. Look what's going to happen. He said, "Um, no, I'm happy to go. He said, I'm going. You're not going to move me from what God wants for my life. I'm happy to die. I'm happy to die, he says, for me to depart and be with Christ. That's what I want. He says, don't weep for me. He says, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. We're nearly finished our little Bible study. we nearly finished our Bible study this evening. Ephesians chapter 6. <coughs> Galatians, Ephesians. And... <coughs> Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. To stand. Paul said, listen, we are in the evil day. And I tell you what, the evil day is now upon us. We are in the evil day. If Paul was in the evil day, we are sure in the evil day. But God has given us armour, the Christian's armour. You know all about that, the armour. <clears throat> and we need to stand. This world is utter confusion, and we need to stand where we've always stood. And we need to be prepared for this battle. And the battle is, uh, is not political, it's not flesh and blood. The battle is principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. We know that. And we ought to be prepared with the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the loins protected by truth and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and, and the and I call it the force field of protection prayer praying always <clears throat> why because we need to stand why have so many christians moved from where they once stood have you moved from where you once stood have you moved where have so many moved today? Or how have they moved? One way is through <clears throat> doctrine. Doctrine. You know doctrine is really important. Doctrine. Don't be scared by the word doctrine. It's, uh, <clears throat> it just means what the Bible teaches. 2 Timothy. If you're not there, turn there. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Chapter 3. This is Paul speaking to his apprentice pastor Timothy who was the pastor of the church at Ephesus Paul says this to 2 Timothy 3:14 but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus He said listen you need to continue you might have said it this way Timothy you need to keep standing you need to keep standing in the things that you have learnt from a child, and then he goes on. This is Paul's last letter uh, before he, he was uh, beheaded. And he goes on, and he and he and he just reinforces the truth with Timothy, verse sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for what's that first word? Doctrine. Doctrine. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature or complete, truly furnished unto all good works. It does make a difference what we believe. And every Christian, every Bible-believing Christian needs needs to know what they believe. Most churches today have no idea what they believe. Absolutely no idea. That's the fact. And and so many churches today, I would say most churches today are shallow because they don't know the Bible. But we need to be people of the Bible. We need to know what we believe. We need to know our doctrine. We need to know what it is to study the Bible. Yeah, we come to church, that's good. But we need to take the time ourselves To learn the Bible. If you haven't learned the Bible, you need to learn what the Bible is all about. All scripture is profitable for doctrine. So many Christians are spiritual babies. They are. You know, you can be saved for 50 years and still be a spiritual toddler. I see them all over the place. Yeah, because when the hard times come, what do they do? They chuck a fit. Like a little kid in the aisle at Woolies, you know. Like a little terrible twosome. You get these 50, 60-year-old Christians and they're just little, bait, little Christian, they're little babies. They've never grown because they never knew the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. It takes work. It does. It's hard work. But you need to know the Bible. You need to teach, teach your children the Bible from a young age need to teach them. that Paul said, listen, T- Timothy, you've known the Scriptures from a child. We've got to teach our kids the Bible. You say, but surely that you wouldn't teach them the old King James Bible. Yeah, I... I I teach my, um, we taught our kids the King James Bible and I, and I, and I taught my, uh, we, when we can, we teach our grandkids the King James Bible. In fact, my little grandkids, my granddaughters, they memorize verses from the King James Bible. It's not that hard. In fact, it's easier to memorize verses from the King James Bible than other translations. No need to change. We've got a copy of God's word here. Say, oh, it's too hard. No, it's not really. Say, so, do you get to know everything? Will you know everything? Well, no, of course not. It's God's word. God's word. Can you explain some of these really hard passages? Go and ask your pastor. That's what he's there for. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so, well, what about the these and the thous? You know, they're, they're actually very important. John chapter 3, verse 7. John, uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. What did he say? Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Really simple little verse. Thee is singular. Ye is plural. In other words, it means more than one. So what was Jesus saying? He said, marvel not, Nicodemus, that I said unto thee, singular, ye, everyone, must be born again. You say, wow, that's pretty simple. It is pretty simple. Thee is singular, ye is plural. So many have fallen over. They haven't stood where they once stood. They don't read their Bibles like they used to read their Bibles. And then in service, you know, um, so often today serving God through your local church, as I said this morning to those who were here, um, we live in the local church age. And... uh, for so many churches today, serving God, we serve God by serving others, is optional. Now I know when I was here last year I preached on James 1, so I'm not going to go back to James 1. But it does say, James 1.27, that pure religion is looking after the fatherless and the widows. That's service. How do we serve God? We serve God by serving others. That's what the local church is all about. Yet we live in such a selfish age that people say, "Yeah, I used to do all that, but I want some me time now." And, I, and I t- let me tell you, let me make a statement here. And I've, I've studied this through. I've just by looking at people. I know a lot of people, in a lot of churches. And I look at people that have wandered and got wandered away from God and got cold. As I said, I'm not saying they've lost their salvation. They've just got cold. And they most probably only come to church. They're, they're good sea of ease. Christmas and Easter, that's when they come to church. I'll tell you where it starts, when they say, I need to stop serving God, I need me time. You know, it's not, it's not a burden to serve God. It's not. Jesus said, my burden is light. As long as Jesus is in the yoke with you, serving the Lord is a joy. You say, is it easy? No, it's not always easy. We understand that. But it's a joy. It's a thrill to be able to serve the King of Kings. Wow. To serve the King of Kings. We were in, in, uh, uh, in England, uh, UK, just uh, up to a couple of months ago, and, and we didn't get to the palace. We didn't get to Buckingham Palace. I, I have been there before. But you ever seen those guards? That, what do they call them? Um, what do they call the guards with the big bearskin hats? What are they called? Well, I don't know. The guard, the, you know, anyway, the fancy guards with their uniforms and the big... Wouldn't you love one of those bearskin hats? <laughs> I'd love one of those for Kids Club, eh? They're up to about here. But you see those guards there with their automatic weapons and they don't flinch, eh? Hot, cold, they never flinch and they're mean looking dudes. They really are. But you imagine being one of those guards thinking, I'm guarding... Well, it's His Majesty now. But up until a few months ago, it was Her Majesty. I'm guarding the Queen. That's my job. And it didn't matter how cold or how hot it was, they had the prestige of guarding the monarch. Hey, our job is far better than that. We get to serve the King of Kings. And it's not a drudgery, it's a joy. There is joy in serving Jesus. It's awesome. And I don't care whether you're, whether you're doing something like that fantastic lunch today and wow, that men's breakfast yesterday was unbelievable. Um, whether it's, you know, vacuuming the carpets or the, the, uh, the, the sound people back there or whether you're the pastor or the bus driver or the school ter- doesn't matter, we're serving the King of Kings. That is so awesome. And we need to stand there say, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my days. And I shall not be moved. I'm not going to get slack. Because as I was saying before, I got sidetracked. I sidetracked myself all the time. But you stop serving God, you will get cold as a Christian. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a holiday. I'm not saying you may need to have a different ministry. I'm not saying all those things. Those things happen. But I tell you what, when you say, I'm going to replace serving God with me, you will backslide. I can guarantee, 100% money back guarantee, you will backslide. I see it all the time. When you take your eyes off the Lord and put them back on you, no, it doesn't work that way. And then, I'm nearly finished. That passage in James, don't turn there, but James one twenty-seven, b says that we are to be unspotted from the world. Um, The average, the fact is, the average believer today lives like the world of a generation ago. They do. The average believer, not every believer, but the average believer does. <clears throat> James says, no, you're supposed to be sanctified, which is a process that God is um, changing us more and more into the likeness of Christ. And we are not to be spotted or stained by the world. Yet it shocks me. It shocks me when I hear Christians speaking and I think, wow, what did they just say? That's Christians don't say that. Christians don't do that. Christians don't watch that. Christians don't go there. That's not what Christians do. We are to be sanctified. But before I get too high and mighty and holy, holier than thou, I can look at my own life. I think, Lord, is my my walk with you what it used to be? Or have I moved? As someone said, if God seems far away, guess who's moved? Guess who's moved? Sanctification. We 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 need sometimes we just need to be like David and say, I'm gonna take a stand here. I'm gonna take a stand. I want to be what God wants me to be. I'm only interested in pleasing God. You say, but that's tough. Yeah, yeah. Anyone can do that in church. When we're all together in church, we can all do that. It's 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 really easy to act like a Christian in church. But tomorrow you're going back to work or you're going to uni in a few weeks, or you're going to school. That's when it gets tough. When you're you're the little Christian there, the tiny minority, when you're the little Nehemiah, when you're um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, everyone else is bowing down to the world, and you're there sitting out there like a uh, sore thumb, that's when it gets a bit tough. I think this story fits, even if it doesn't, it's a good story. Back in the, I think it was about 1989, 1988, 89, somewhere around there. Um, I, was, uh, I, was, I was preaching and so on, left Bible college. I think I was, might have been even pastoring at that stage, uh, assistant pastor. But I was working for Australian Airlines, which used to be TAA. Some of you, you old timers would remember TAA. Fly TAA the friendly way. Um, and... Um, I was in commercial sales in the middle of Sydney and some of my clients, they were very big clients. I mean, they were, even back then, going back, what, 35 years now, they were big clients. They were worth a lot of money. And so it was coming up to Christmas, it was early December, and our sales manager called us in and said, listen, we've got all your Christmas presents to give to your clients. And, of course, what is it, being Aussie? It's grog, plonk, grog. And, and really, I don't know much about grog, but I, uh, this was expensive stuff, whatever it was. It was liqueurs or something like that. It was really expensive stuff. And that's what they expected. And, of course, the, the manager called me in, when, uh, a lady manager called me in and said, Oh, Fraser, how you doing? Here's your, um, here's your cartons of, um, you know, your boxes of this stuff to go and give to your clients. Well, I went out of there and um, I went back home that night and I thought, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't give grog out, I'm, I'm a Christian. The Bible says you're not supposed to give grog to your neighbour. So I prayed about it and I thought, well, here I stand. Lord, if you don't want me to have this job, Lord, I, I've got to take a stand here. So I went back in the next day and saw my boss. I said, um, "Look, wherever things fall from what I'm about to say, it's fine by me. But I said, I, I'm a Christian, and I, I'm not, I'm not um, easy. I'm not comfortable giving alcohol out. So I, I cannot, I cannot do this job. I'm sorry." You know what she said? She said, oh, that's fine. We'll get someone else to do it. I'll tell you what. She said, I've got a couple of boxes here of Christmas puddings. Go and give them Christmas puddings instead. And she said, oh, no, that's a bit corny. She said, no, hey, those two boxes of Christmas puddings, just take them home and give them to your family. So honestly, I took two big cartons of Christmas puddings home. How long would we given Christmas puddings out? The next three or four years, every Christmas, we are giving people, trying to get rid of these stupid Christmas puddings. <laughs> True story. The Lord looked after us. You say, what if... What if what if you had to go through the furnace and you lost your job? Well, if I have to lose my job, it's now that's only a little thing. I know it's just—it's nothing much. But at the time, it was big. When Nebuchadnezzar says to you, "Well, you need to bow down tomorrow at work," what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to say, "Yeah, it's okay. We'll just bow down with all the rest of them." We're going to say, sorry, with, with, all, with, with all due respect, King Neb, <laughs> with all due respect, um, we can't do that. If God delivers, that's fine. If he doesn't, it's fine. We're going to do right. Here I stand. Here I stand. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Funny thing is, I guarantee you, one of you, are going to, this is going to happen to you this week at work. <laughs> You're going to have to take a stand. That's fine, that's fine, just purpose in your heart. Like David said, like David said, the Lord's on my side, I will not be moved. And as long as God is on your side, and if you are a Christian, you are born again Christian, the Lord Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's always by our side. He's always by our side. Many times I've left my Saviour, too ashamed to call him mine. But from now I'll be defender of that saving name. Sublime. Stand for Jesus, serve him ever, never be a castaway. Kept by love, no man can sever. I'll be true to a glorious day. It is said that an African missionary was martyred, but before he was martyred, he wrote the following poem. I'm not sure if that's 100% correct. But this is the poem, you've most probably heard it before, but he said, "'I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. "'The die has been cast, I've stepped over the line, "'the decision has been made, I'm a disciple of his, "'and I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. "'My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, my future is secure.' I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or recognised or praised or rewarded. I live by faith, I lean on his presence, I walk by patience, I'm lifted by prayer and I labour by his Holy Spirit. My faces get... My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road may be narrow, my way rough, my companions few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy I will ponder or ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up or let up until I've stored up, stayed up, prayed up, paid up and preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must give until I drop. I must preach until all know and work until he comes. And when he does come for his own, he'll have no problems recognising me. If God seems far away, guess who's moved? You know, we we just need some Christians in this day and age, this evil day and age, we just need some Christians who will say, I shall not be moved. The Lord's next to me, I'm not going anywhere. Whatever may come, at work, at school, university, wherever I might, might be, here I stand, I'm not going anywhere. I just think sometimes we just need to focus on how good it is to be a child of God. Are we in an evil day? Yes, we are. And the day, our world, our country, this city is just getting darker and darker spiritually. That's fine. That, we're not depressed. The Lord's coming back. We just need Christians who'll stand. If God's put his finger on some area of your life tonight, something that needs fixing. Just respond to whatever the Spirit of God is asking you to do. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message. Lord, the example of these great men and women of God from your word, encourage us, dear Lord, and challenge us to stand, to not move, to be where you want us to be. Bless the closing of the service, we pray in Jesus' name.